Hello and welcome to the Why Behind the What. My name is Nathan Albert, and as always, I am so glad you are listening to this podcast today. If you are a new listener, welcome. I am really, really glad you're here, and I thank you for taking your time out of your day to spend it with me. In recent episodes, I've been talking about how ancient and contemplative spirituality can heal one's soul, how it can rekindle your faith, how it can transform lives. And more than that, I think these practices can give us a profound and expansive understanding of the divine. And in this pandemic in which we find ourselves, I think these practices are absolutely essential to maintaining our spiritual and emotional well-being. In the last few episodes, I've been interviewing authors and musicians and pastors and friends on how these ancient and contemplative practices have brought life to their souls or how it's allowed them to shed and deconstruct fundamentalist beliefs, how they have used these to develop an openness to God, the one who is all around us all the time. And so it's my hope, no matter where you are in a spiritual journey, that you can find uh, the hope that God is bigger than you imagined, that faith can be better than you might have hoped, and that these practices will allow you to be present to the divine one who is always present to you. In this episode, I have the privilege of interviewing my friend and colleague, Matt Nightingale. Do you know that person who you grab a drink with or you hang out with once a year, but it seems as if no time has passed at all? That's my friendship with Matt. We've known each other probably for 12 years now. Uh, we were introduced thanks to Twitter, and our friendship developed at a yearly conference we attended where it became our tradition of always having breakfast together. And our breakfasts, they always ended up being hours and hours of conversation and countless cups of coffee. Matt is a pastor, a spiritual director, an educator, a TED talker, musician, father, and does incredible work surrounding spirituality and sexuality. He has a profound journey and his story is quite incredible. In this episode, we talk about the importance of contemplative spirituality, spiritual direction. What is it? How does it work? We talk about the restrictive teachings of fundamentalism and how after deconstructing beliefs we didn't really believe, we actually were opened up to finding God in new and incredible ways. I hope you'll find our conversation to be as enjoyable as I did. Be sure to check out the show notes for ways to connect with Matt on social media. I have a bunch of links there uh, for his Instagram, Facebook, website, as well as some useful links that we talked about uh, in this episode. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be so helpful if you could share it on social media and leave a simple review on Apple Podcasts on the iTunes app. A simple review or rating enables the podcast to be recommended and promoted to more people. And since I am not paying some company to promote this podcast, a simple review is a huge help for me. Be sure to check out NathanAlbert.com for any updates and some resources, such as my new discussion guide for my book, Embracing Love. It's also free. And as always, this podcast is edited, written, and recorded on Monacan land. With that, here's my interview with Matt Nightingale. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. Reconnecting after a while, we did breakfast every year for a handful of years. Yeah, 
That was kind of our ritual and routine. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to connect virtually. And we should have done this over breakfast. That's what we should have done. Well, I have got coffee, so yeah, that's true. It's close a little enough, earlier I guess. for you. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah, had lunch, so yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's still morning for me, so it's, that's it's all right. good. And it's spring break week for me, so I'm like luxuriating in my um, non-showered body. I get yes. to sleep in a little bit. It's just, there you go. It's, it's definitely still morning for me. So Matt, introduce yourself a little bit um, to our listeners, a little bit about who you are, what you do, kind of how, how you answer, who is Matt Nightingale? All right. Well, um, yeah, my name is Matt Nightingale. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area up in Santa Rosa, which is about an hour north of San Francisco. I'm the co-pastor of a progressive uh, American Baptist church in Novato. That's in Marin County, and it's called The Quest. Um, I am a spiritual director and a group, a support group facilitator for an online organization called The Christian Closet, and we are LGBTQ therapists and spiritual directors and coaches that work uh, online with uh, LGBTQ clients. I am also on the board of an organization here in Santa Rosa called the Journey Center, and it's a a Christ-centered home for contemplative spirituality. Um, So we have a lot of um, groups, and we do a lot of um, centering prayer and Lexio Divina and different things like that, and I run a LGBTQ spirituality group there. I am also a singer-songwriter. I'm also the father to four amazing children. Uh, Joshua is 24, Jacob is 22, Emily and Zach are 18-year-old twins. And um, finally, I think the way that a lot of people know me is uh, I came out of the closet later in life. I was 44 years old, uh, and I had been married for 23 years. Uh, And my former wife and I did a TED Talk about that whole journey. And so over the last three or four years, um, a lot of people have found me uh, because of that TED Talk. And I do a lot of work with gay men who are married to women. So those are kind of the ways that people people know me. Yeah. That's a long list. Yeah. I had to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> are you exhausted? All the time, yes. <laughs> All the time. And, and I didn't even mention that like my day job is a full-time school teacher. Uh, so go. I'm surrounded right. by four and five-year-olds all day, every day, except these days when I'm teaching them virtually through a computer screen. Yes, but, yeah, very that's, different. That's also a large part of my life. Yeah. One of the themes of this podcast this year has kind of been my journey of kind of discovering spirituality or a contemplative spirituality. And a lot of that came out of burnout, mm just the the grind of working for nonprofits and churches, as well as sometimes the toxic, unchristian-like behavior yeah. often attributed to Christians. And I know some of that is a part of your story. Um, and so I'd love to hear, how, has, how have you kind of found contemplative practices mm-hmm. or spiritual practices? How have they, for me, I kind of fell into them. So I'd love to hear and how did the, how did you discover them but then also what have they done for you in seasons of busyness or transition or yeah. being a you know this list this long resume that you have how has yeah. it anchored you helped you opened you up to god i'd love to mm-hmm. hear a little bit about that that's such a great question and 
It's so appropriate as I sit here and talk to you because you actually played a part in my kind of finding this this path of contemplative spirituality. So as you mentioned at the beginning, you and I used to get together at this denominational conference that we were a part of every year to talk. And I remember, uh, I think I'm going to dive into this story right now because it's a Go good for it. opening. Uh, I remember one one time in particular, I was going through... Uh, just a lot and trying to figure out my own sexuality, my own call, my own path forward. And I remember coming out to you because you were just a, a safe friend and you also were involved in the conversation around Christian and LGBTQ uh, sexuality because you were working for the Marin Foundation at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I remember coming out to you and that was a pretty significant thing. And then you pulled out this business card thing and handed it to me and said, you need to maybe consider coming to this tonight. And it was an invitation to a gathering, kind of an informal gathering in the basement of the hotel conference or the conference hotel that night. (laughs) And I remember going into that room and it was just packed with people. And it was just called a time to listen. It was just an invitation to hear the voices of LGBTQ Christians and consider what they had to say. And up on the panel that night was a woman named Eva Sullivan Knopf, and she was there with her child who had come out. And I remember just being kind of blown away by by the testimonies of these faithful, queer Christians and allies. And that really set me on a journey of, of kind of diving into that world, um, gathering a lot of supporters and friends around me as I was about to go through this huge transition. And I remember one time um, in particular, Eva, the woman that I had seen that night for the first time, uh, and I were messaging on Facebook. And I was telling her kind of that this coming out and this leaving my church, leaving my marriage was was imminent. It was, it was on the horizon. And she said to me, Matt, I think you're going to need a pastor, a local pastor to support you and get you through this, this time. And she recommended a woman named Joanna Quintrell, who lives here in Santa Rosa and who runs this organization I referred to earlier, the Journey Center. So I went to see Joanna and we talked and I kind of like bared my soul and told her all that was going on and we cried together and prayed together. And it was this, this holy moment. And it was in that moment that Joanna said to me, Matt, I feel this invitation from Jesus and I just want to extend it to you. Um, have you ever considered being a spiritual director. We have a two-year formation program here, and I feel like Jesus is asking me to give you a scholarship. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I mean, this was pretty um, pretty unexpected, and I didn't know what to do with it. But after kind of living with it for a little bit, I came back and said, yeah, I think I think this feels right, and I should do it. Well, that led to a two-year program with a, a small cohort of 12 students and several instructors. And and as I went through easily the most um, challenging, uh, crazy season of my life, so many transitions, so many changes, so many, um, so many things happening all the time, so many feelings to feel. <laughs> um, but I would come home to this contemplative center every two weeks for four hours on a Tuesday night with these beautiful people. And I was learning these contemplative practices, Lexio mm-hmm. Divina, centering prayer, 
spiritual direction. Uh, and, and it became this really powerful uh, season of my life that no matter what was going on, no matter how crazy my life was, no matter how painful, I always had this, this home to come back to every two weeks. And it was like, it, it was the most peaceful, helpful, um, centering thing in my whole world. And so that led me to become a spiritual director. That's just kind of like the, the, the foundation of how it all started for me because I am not by nature a contemplative. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am an Enneagram 7. I am extroverted. I am relational. I'm a verbal processor. And to, to even think about sitting in silence, even now, sometimes it makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And so to be invited into these depths of silence and contemplation and it, it was very, very difficult. But as I went through that, as I continued to, to practice these things, it became an incredibly important and centering part of my life. Yeah. It's, I, I went through a similar process of, I was a part of a cohort, about a two and a half year program, where we met at a monastery every three months for about three days, silence, solitude. We entered into the great silence where we for almost 12, 14 hours, we were in solitude and silence. And the first thing we said after being completely silent for those hours the next morning was, open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Mm. And the power behind not talking for that yeah. long, not singing, not talking on the phone, not posting on social media, and then to have those words be the first thing you say was super profound. Mm. And I, similar to you, I extroverted. I have my to-do list. There's lots for me to do. And I feel like some of these contemplative practices make me feel as if I'm not doing anything. Right. I'm just sitting there and there's other things I could be doing. And so I resonate with the, ah, these are, this is a struggle. Mm. This is not something that comes, you, you don't sit in silence for 10 minutes once and you have this profound, maybe you will, but you don't usually have a <laughs> profound spiritual experience. Right. Um, yeah, that's definitely not been my experience. It, it's yeah. a, it's called a practice for a reason yeah. because not every individual session is going to is going to be profound and, and life changing. But over time, as you practice those things, it, it mm-hmm. does become easier, and it does kind of like collectively bring goodness into your life. You mm-hmm. know, that's how I've experienced it. And do you find, or did you find that these practices are healing? to your soul? Are they, have they rekindled a faith or taught you something Mm. different about God? In my experience, it's as if so much of my faith was about doing and doing things for God, evangelizing, preaching, worshiping, and all these practices allowed me simply to be with God. Mm -hmm. And that has, that's a very different feel. Do you, do you resonate with that as, I mean, did you go through a similar process? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I was raised in fundamentalist Christianity, so um, I had this kind of understanding of God that I really, I don't know. He, God was somebody to to please. God was somebody to work for. God was someone to um, to make sure that I didn't piss him off too badly. Um, and especially, I think, growing up as a little gay boy in fundamentalism. I always lived with this this deep fear that somehow I was not okay with God, and um, and so my whole life was kind of trying to placate this this 
demanding God who would demand something of me that, that, that was so difficult, you know, asking me to deny something that felt so, uh, so normal and so, uh, so, so integral to my, um, to my identity, you know? So, yeah, I, I think that, and then over time, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I feel like there's been kind of a parallel thing happening in my life for many years. One of them had to do with my sexuality and with coming out, but the other had to do with kind of shedding that fundamentalism, right. Mm, and have, sure. and, and learning maybe to have a bigger view of God and, a a more healthy relationship with that God. Um, yes. And, and to answer your question directly, yes, these contemplative practices, this, um, this quieter, uh, way has been healing. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I am very connected. I'm, I'm, I have lots of friends. I, I'm on social media all the time. Uh, and I, and I live my life very openly. Um, which is great. And that, that has given me a lot of support over the last several years, but also, um, in my personality and temperament, I often go to those sources to find, um, acceptance, to find, um, you know, approval. <laughs> and so this contemplative way or path has, has helped me learn to stop looking all the time for others mm -hmm. approval yeah, and to good. seek just, just the approval of, of my creator yeah. um, to be, to be at peace and to know that God's okay with me. And that's really all mm -hmm. that matters. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge profound thing mm. that these practices aren't about. Yeah. They're, they're not about getting the things right or having the right answer. Mm. They're getting to, be with the creator right here, right now in this oh, yeah. moment. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but for me, it was, it was so much about getting things right. You know, um, mm. we've talked before about evangelicalism kind of in general and fundamentalism, particularly, it really is, it's all about apologetics and doctrine and proof texting. And, and, uh, I've even talked about it like, like, I remember as an evangelical kind of my job was to believe things that I, that I didn't really believe or to somehow make myself believe things that I didn't actually believe, you know, yeah. or, or to convince myself. Hmm. And I did a lot of that and it kind of drives, drives you crazy. Yeah. A few, a few episodes ago I spoke um, on a new term that I'm kind of claiming Mm -hmm. I, I struggle, I, th you know, I'm a theological mutt, basically. I grew up Lutheran, became a Baptist, pretty sure was Pentecostal for a season. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> attended Episcopal church, you know, all sorts of things. And, um, but I've struggled with the, the evangelical language. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that stems from uh, how that word is interpreted, um, especially after the last election, how many evangelicals <laughs> voted for one political candidate and what that means. Yeah. So there's a lot of baggage there. And so I've been wrestling with this term ecumenical, mm. which is often an adjective used to talk about kind of inner, not interfaith, but multi-Christian denominational yeah. work and partnerships. Mm -hmm. And I realized maybe I'm more of an ecumenical. Like that's mm. something deep within my bones that 
I have a great appreciation. And a lot of these practices have allowed this to happen for me where Lexio Divina or centering prayer, often monastic, mystical, sometimes Catholic practices for a non-Catholic were revolutionary to me. Mm, mm-hmm. Breath prayer, um, sitting in silence, the Episcopal liturgy, fixed hour prayer. Yeah. I mean, mind blowing to me. And so mm. it's almost as if I've, I've come to see Christianity as this beautiful diamond that has multiple facets. Yeah. And I've all, I was always part of the tradition that says our facet is the best. All the other facets are wrong. Yeah. All the other facets aren't really a diamond. It's, it's coal and ours is the best, the shiniest mm-hmm. versus turning around that diamond and seeing the beauty of the whole thing and right. realizing there's flaws within that diamond, right? There are mm-hmm. flaws within certain teachings and certain doctrines, but recognizing the good within each tradition and using the good to deepen my faith and understanding of God. And so this idea of being an ecumenical has gotten me away from the evangelical language, yeah, but also given me, and contemplative practices have done this too, given me a greater appreciation for church and opened my understanding of God rather than restricting it. Yeah, I, I think that's been my experience too, is the the deeper I go into kind of the mystery of God, Ooh, yeah. the greater my appreciation for the grandeur of God, the how, how big God is. And I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I was certainly kind of trained and raised to make sure that um, certain boundaries were always kept, you know, <laughs> like we can't cross this line or those people don't, they don't get to be a part of the the family because of X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. But I think that in, in stillness, in uh, contemplation, in even my spiritual direction relationships, I am learning slowly but surely that God is so, so much bigger than yeah. the little boxes I was trained to stuff him into. Yeah. God is so much bigger. Um, and that, that actually draws out greater worship in me, right? It, mm. it, it brings more um, awe and, and beauty into my life. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. Um, yeah, just to make my vision of God so much bigger. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. I love the idea of mystery. Mm. Rather than right answers. Yeah, and that's it's a little bit scary, isn't it? Like, Absolutely. I think when, um, you know, coming from a background like mine, to admit that I don't know something is, uh, is risky. You yeah. know? And so I'm really grateful to be now in a church where I can say something like, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. This is the this is this is what I believe to the best of my understanding right now. That could change. I could be wrong, but but we're all about exploring God together and we might get it wrong sometimes, but that's okay. You know, and that's such a gift to kind of have that like I guess like holy agnosticism. <laughs> you know, like I just <laughs> I I I don't know. I used to think I had to know like factually, yes. intellectually, I had to know yep. certain things to be true. And so that's what I like tr- trying to make myself even believe things. Um, yeah. Now I can just say, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Or I don't believe that. Or here's yeah. what I think is true. And and to be okay with that and to know that God is good and loving and, and receives that, you know, that I don't have to try to somehow... Um, make sure that I have all all my doctrines straight in order right. to please this God. Right. 
it's freeing too to think mm-hmm. I might be wrong on this. Yeah. Rather than saying I have to be right on this. Yeah. Right? Like that's a totally it's a totally different take on God and religion and yet it so really freeing. Is. Like, oh yeah. yeah, you might be right. You you might be wrong too. Yeah. We might both be wrong. That is yeah. like so freeing and honest. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that that comment. I want to ask you about spiritual direction. Okay. Because that's a pretty ancient spiritual practice, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very contemplative. But I haven't introduced that much on this podcast this season. I've had a spiritual director for multiple years. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what is spiritual direction? Mm. Like, what do you do? But then also, why do you love it? What, mm. what for you has been rewarding not only about doing spiritual direction personally, mm. but then when you became a spiritual director, yeah, why is that rewarding to, to mm. be one mm-hmm. as well? Spiritual direction is, uh, it's a really beautiful thing, but it is sometimes hard to describe. <laughs> I remember in my training cohort, you know, we would often talk about, well, how do we describe this to people? People mm-hmm. would ask, what are you learning? What are you doing in there? And it was sometimes difficult um, because w- we, we are kind of like coaches and we're kind of like therapists, but we are not <laughs> coaches or therapists. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the descriptions I like the best is like to be a companion, a, a, like a soul companion or a friend for the journey. Um, and when I enter into an hour with one of my directees, my role is not to teach or, or to guide necessarily, or to direct. That's why the name is a little misleading. I'm not Mm. directing the show at all. Um, my role is to, to journey with the directee to seek God together. Um, and I've been trained to, I guess really to put it simply to listen deeply and to try to try to see what shimmers. We talk about that um, to try to see where God is at work in the life of this person who comes to me. And we might be talking about big giant, you know, philosophical or theological things, or we might be talking just about um, today and the fight that this person had with his wife right before he, he came to the session, you know, and, and my role is to, is to watch and listen. Um, we together uh, are, are looking at this session almost like the whole thing is prayer. We're offering it up to God and saying, as we talk through these things, as we as we sit in silence together, as we contemplate the the life journey that is coming into this room, where do we see God at work? Um, and so I will often just offer up things that I see, like, you know, this may or may not matter, uh, but I, I want you to, I, I invite you to, to consider this. When you were telling me that story, you said this word five times. Did you even mm-hmm. know that? And the person might go, oh, wow. <laughs> no, I guess I didn't. Um, well, let's maybe explore that. What does that mean? Why, why is that word coming up right now? Or, yeah. or when you were telling this story, you got so animated and you, um, your eyes were sparkling and you were smiling and that, that must've really meant something to you. Yeah, absolutely. So we can kind of dive into those places. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's like an exploration together with this other person. Um, and my job is simply to be fully present with them. Um, and, and to be, and, and honestly, while I'm in a session, I'm constantly praying on the inside, like God help me. Mm-hmm. What should I say? What, what, 
what should I point out? What, what do you have for us together today? Um, and it's always surprising. It's always delightful. Sometimes I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but the Holy Spirit gives me a word or a, a thought that, that is sometimes helpful. And it's amazing to me, beautiful. So yeah, it's just like exploring God together, being a, a companion yeah. um, as this person opens up their life to the Spirit and invites God to, to, to reveal or to, um, to guide or to, to direct, you know? And, and the Spirit is the director, in a, right. in a spiritual yeah. direction relationship, yeah. the spirit is the one who's directing both of us. How has spiritual direction impacted you uh, as you've not been a director, but as you've been a directee? Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I think, you know, again, I kind of go back to this season of my life that I've kind of come through and how chaotic and difficult it was. And I remember going to my spiritual director monthly <laughs> and just... I mean, I would just, words would pour out of me about the last month and all that I had experienced and all the pain and heartbreak and rejection and, you know, I don't know, falling in love with someone and then, and then breaking up, you know, all these kind of like experiences I was going through for the first time in my mm. mid forties <laughs> and, and I just needed to talk about it. And I remember one time my director after I had talked for probably 45 minutes with no, no interruption, he looked at me and he said, Matt, do you see how beautiful this is? Do you see how God is all over this story? And I, I just was like, what, what are you talking about? He says, look, and he invited me to kind of like slow down and, and see, he, he pointed out, you know, two, three, four things that I had said he goes, do you see how beautiful that is? Do you see how God is alive and well and working in your life and doing these mm -hmm. things for you? And honestly, I hadn't. I hadn't yeah. seen it. I yeah. was too busy, you know, going down the road 90 miles an hour to, to stop and look. He said, Matt, sometimes you just need to slow down and look at the signs on the side of the road. Look how God is at work. Look how God yeah. is looking out for you. So it, it's things like that where I just, I can't see it by myself. And I need someone to say, oh my goodness, look at this. Look at how God is at work and alive in your life. And it yeah. brings such encouragement and such um, insight where I just didn't, I couldn't do it on my own. I needed someone yeah. to walk with me through those, those things. It almost sounds as if it's, you're on a hike with someone who's mm. 100 meters ahead of you yeah. and they're at a higher altitude. Mm. And it seems like there are times where you're in the brush or the trail is really muddy and they've, mm. they're, they're up ahead of you and yeah. can see, you know, the next hill or they can yeah. see where the path is turning that you can't see. Mm -hmm. And they're just, a, they're just a little further down and are yeah. able to highlight those things that you can't see in that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a good description. It's, it's funny. It's kind of like you, talked about with that diamond you know there's just many different facets mm. of spiritual direction there's many ways yeah. to look at it and it kind of combines to be this whole experience yeah and it's interesting in some of the work that i do now especially through the christian closet um most of the clients i work with are uh gay men who are married to women and are kind of trying to figure out what that means for them mm. now that they've kind of come out to themselves and to their spouses and so in a way i really am kind of like a guide who's a little further down the road, sure. right? Yeah. And often in spiritual direction relationships, the director is not necessarily 
kind of bringing his or her life into the story. It's really all about yep. the directee. But yeah. sometimes in these particular relationships, my story is um, meaningful and helpful. And so I can be a little bit more transparent about what my life has looked like. And I never, yeah. ever try to tell people what to do. Right. It's more, this is this is my story. This is, this is what happened. This is yeah. what's happening. And so, um, so I find that that's really helpful too, to be able to bring a little bit of my life into those relationships. Yeah. In the four or five years that I had a spiritual director, I feel like there were never, not once was I told to do something, mm-hmm. but it was always questions of, have you thought about this mm-hmm. or what does that mean? Or really just a, have you read this book? And so it was a lot of these open-ended questions and, um, you know, I I remember telling my wife almost after every session I needed to go journal for a while Mm -hmm. just to process what I heard or talked through or just how I was guided in those moments. Yeah. It's a neat thing. I remember my, when I first started spiritual direction, my spiritual director always said, let's start with a moment of silence, mm-hmm. center ourselves. And I counted to like barely one and <laughs> basically closed my eyes and then reopened yeah. them and started yeah. talking. And I just like, you know, like you verbal processor just needed to get it all out. Yeah. And so I felt like a lot of when I started, a lot of it was I probably I, I thought it was counseling where I would just talk mm-hmm. and talk right. and talk and then I would get answers. And I quickly learned that wasn't what it was. But eventually that beginning silence grew longer and longer and longer and longer where Mm. it got to six seconds and then a minute. Um, And there was one particular day, and I've told you this before, but there was one particular day where I was sitting in this chair and a few seconds went by, a minute went by, and I felt physically as if someone was embracing me. Mm. It was almost creepy, um, but mystical at the same time. Mm, Yeah, And I felt this presence and felt as if God was saying to you, I'm just going to embrace you. And I didn't want to move. I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to even open my eyes and open my mouth and tell the spiritual director what was happening. I just wanted to stay in that moment, like be present with God right there. Nothing else mattered. All the Mm. word vomit that I wanted to get out, it paled in comparison to just being present in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. And after this time, I don't know how long it had been, but I finally opened my eyes and just shared to my spiritual director. I said, Stan, this is what I just experienced. And it ended up being about 45, 50 minutes of sitting mm-hmm. in silence there. Um, and we talked for about 10 minutes. And then he said, our session's up. Let's pray. And um, But it was this profound experience where, in some ways, I felt like the spiritual direction was for years was building up to that moment, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like it, that makes a lot of sense. It wasn't until that moment where spiritual direction actually began. Right. And it took a couple of years. <laughs> that's real. That's so interesting. But yes, that's, that's beautiful. And, and I think that we are not, oh man, we are not used to silence, you know, no. in our yeah. culture. And then especially you add, you know, personalities like ours and it's, it's difficult to be silent. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rewards are so deep, not necessarily like, again, not in that first time you do it, not necessarily yeah. every single time you try it, is it going to be profound? But as you practice it, you open your heart and your mind up to the possibility of profound experiences like that. Yeah. You know? I've been reading this book 
by a friend, a mutual friend of ours named Steve Weens. Yes. And uh, it's called Shining Like the Sun. And I, it's so basic. It's so like 101, um, but it's so helpful. Yeah. Uh, and there was one sentence that just knocked me out um, when I read it a couple of days ago. He says, practicing mindfulness by returning to here allows us to see each moment as a place where God is eternally waiting for us with love. Mm. It's so basic, right? This, this <laughs> basic mindfulness, but it's so profound. The idea that God is always waiting for us with, with endless love. And where is he waiting? Right here, mm-hmm. right now, in this moment. And we can always access that. Yeah. By simply stopping and centering and, and I, guess, I guess waking up to yeah. that loving presence yeah. that's always, always available to us. Yeah. That's why these practices have been so profound for me because I think so much of my life was you work up towards God yeah, versus stopping what you're doing to become aware of the God who is already with you, around you, mm-hmm. present to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a mentor who used to say at this cohort who had said, you're opening yourselves up to the, you're, be, you're opening yourselves up and becoming present to the one who's always present to you. Mm-hmm. And I forget that. I, mm-hmm. And I was taught God isn't present unless you're holy enough or unless you stop mm-hmm. sinning or unless you break down the barrier between you and God that you built up yeah. because of your sinful life. Yes, um, totally. And so it was like, oh, I have even more work to do to to knock down the brick wall that I just built up because I was sinning Yes. versus I'm already in the presence of the divine right here, right now, no matter what I'm doing. Mm. And when I become aware of that, that in itself can awaken and transform and renew me. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so. When you said that, it just brought these this flood of memories back from my uh, high school youth group days. I'm so and sorry. This, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I have this vivid memory of of being taught um, one Wednesday night that our sins were literally like a brick wall. Oh, I taught that. Yeah. Yeah, and and like to confess your sin mm-hmm. was literally the only way to take down those bricks mm-hmm. from the wall, and that if we did not confess our sin it's not that God didn't want to hear us. It's that he literally couldn't. Mm. It's like God could not hear our prayers if there was this wall of sin mm. between us. And so there was always, the onus was always on us to make sure that we remembered all of our sins and confessed them like specifically mm. individually to make sure that that brick wall was, was low enough so that God could hear yeah. us. Isn't that wild? Yeah. yeah. And it's not, th- and I think confession is a really good thing. I mean, Absolutely. that's, that's yes. an ancient spiritual practice as well. That's a very contemplative yes. practice individually and corporately. So it's not even that I'm against that. It's just... Right. No, James says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed, right? Yeah. So it's a beautiful and a good thing. Right. But that mentality that God is unable to hear us yeah. because of yeah. our measly little mistakes. <laughs> right. Again, it makes God smaller, right? It makes yeah. God less powerful, yeah. God less present, yeah. which is... You know, I'm realizing and finding and learning that that's just, that's crazy. That's not true at all. God is always present, always available. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And it's, that's what I found. These practices, they open us up to that, the big, the bigness, the vastness of God versus Right. And also, I I think it has like, it, it, it teaches us that 
it's all about God. It's not about our mm. efforts. It's about um, waking up to God's presence, right? right? It's not about like doing enough or, or not sinning enough or whatever. It's about yeah. God's work, not ours. Yeah. Which and is so deeply Christian. We've always mm. been taught that this is all about God's grace, always. Even yeah. fundamentalists talk about that all the time. Yeah. This is God's grace, not your own works. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's the beauty <laughs> exactly. of things like centering prayer and these practices, because God is doing the work in you. Mm-hmm. You're opening yourself up mm-hmm. so that God will do a work in you in that silence, in that solitude, in that centering prayer. Right. You're you're just becoming present and aware. God does the work. There's another um, metaphor that I really like um, about spiritual direction, and it's the the image of a midwife. Mm. And it, what I like about that is that, like, this is a very natural thing that's happening. This childbirth, right? <laughs> God is going to birth something out of this person, um, and really, it's not my work as the midwife. I'm not doing anything. I'm simply being a companion, being kind of bearing witness to and helping this person as God does the work of birthing this thing into, into reality, whatever it is. Mm. And it's really not even about the, the woman who's having the child, right? And this is going to happen. (laughs) It's a very natural process. God is at work doing this thing, but we together can like, um, prepare for it. We can, um, work through it. We can be available to God as God births this thing in this person's life. So that's another interesting kind of way to look at it, I guess. So let me ask, where have you seen in the last week or two, where have you seen God birthing something new in you or around you? Mm. Well, I think that one of the things that comes to mind is, is my work with my church um, as we've gone through this unbelievable, like unprecedented crisis um, with COVID-19 and sheltering in place, um, I don't think we could have necessarily prepared for this. We had no idea this was right around the corner. But what I'm so amazed by is the way that God is continuing to grow our community together in fellowship, um, even expanding our reach, um, I'm just kind of amazed and, and grateful that, that our church, that our, our fellowship is healthy and thriving, even in the midst of this chaos yeah. and, and uh, completely unexpected thing. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful for the way that, that God is kind of using me and my giftedness and, and also the people in leadership in our church to be there for each other and to create um, new ways of connection uh, online, on Facebook, on Zoom, um, and and that this is like real, beautiful, uh, authentic um, connection yeah. and growth. Um, so I'm just really I'm grateful for that. I couldn't have seen it coming. I couldn't have prepared for it. But it's like God is at work doing this and 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 making us. Or helping us to to be able to lead it, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's one thing that comes to mind is just the way that God is here, right here, mm-hmm. in such a powerful way. Um, in in this thing that none of us could see coming. That's yeah. so so painful for so many people, but God is still here and at work and alive. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. If people want to get connected to you, 
how can people find out more about your work or connect with you on social media? Yeah. Um, I'm definitely a social media person, so you can find me on Instagram <laughs> or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, just my name, Matt Nightingale is usually my handle for those things. And then I have a website, mattnightingale.com. Um, I also encourage people to check out the Christian closet online. That's a, a great resource for people. Yeah. And my church, questnovato.com. <laughs> I'll, and I'll link all those in the show notes too. So for people listening, um, you can just look in the app and uh, link it from there. But I totally appreciate you as a human being and friendship <laughs> and years of breakfasts together and been an honor to kind of journey with you from afar at times and see where God has led you and uh, brought healing and goodness and life in your life yeah. uh, through much pain, through much mm-hmm. struggle, but your testament that God is faithful and God is good. And it's been, I appreciate you and your life. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been so good to be connected. I, I am grateful too, just even after all these years to be able to reconnect and feel like there's no time past at all. You know, it's, it's really good. I'm grateful. Well, thanks, Matt. So friends, as you discover a faith that you can truly believe in, one where you journey with others through contemplative practices that can be a healing balm to your soul, may you have peace, may you have calm, and may you have happiness.